Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. As always, I am your host, Claire Watkins, and this week I am joined by Party Katri. How's it going, Party? I'm good. Good. You? You're the one that went to Louisville this week, so really I should be asking you how you're doing. That's true. That's true. I would say I'm I'm moving a little bit slowly today, but uh, (laughs) happy... (laughs) Happy to have made the trip. It was very fun. Um, yes. So we have first here, we're going to talk about uh, the two major, I don't know, do we call them friendly tournaments, non-competition tournaments? I don't know exactly. Um, the ICC and the Women's Cup, both of those happened this past week. And let's go ahead and start with um, the Women's Cup, because that was the one that I went to. They get they get first billing because I was there. Uh, this was... <laughs> a tournament between Racing Louisville, the Chicago Red Stars, Bayern Munich, and PSG. And just quickly, the results. Uh, the first two games, uh, Bayern and PSG tied 2-2. Two to two. Uh, Bayern advanced on penalty kicks. The second match, Louisville and Chicago tied 1-1, which did actually get recorded as a league game. So that went down as a tie in the league standings. Um, and then Louisville did advance on penalty kicks themselves. In the third place game, PSG beat Chicago one to nothing. A heavily rotated Chicago. Chicago uh, played a lot of their kids uh, on a very, very nice goal by, excuse me, Marie Antoinette Cototo. Uh, and then in the final, Louisville tied Bayern two to two in a very good game, actually. It was very competitive um, that Louisville did eventually win after 11 penalty kicks, keeper kicks. It doesn't get much closer than that. They went on keeper kicks, a very, very nice performance by Katie Lund. So we'll get to the bigger questions about this tournament once we also talk about the ICC. But what do you think of the games, Party, in this one? Um, the first thing I thought of was that it satisfied my personal desire to watch random penalty kicks. Yes, very <laughs> true. It was funny. It was funny how... Um, I know for me being in the stadium, I even got a little bit stressed out. And like in the back of my mind, I was like, this is, doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Like this is, this is a friendly tournament, all that sort of thing, but lots of PKs never seen so many PKs in my life. Yeah, I bet. But, um, really the overall feeling is that it was honestly just really fun to watch these teams match up against each other. Um, I thought it was really interesting group of teams, right? Because, Sure, PSG and Bayern are two easily of the best teams in Europe, but in this sort of question of who, you know, where, which group of teams reign supreme, the European teams or the American teams, we're not necessarily, we didn't uh, have here necessarily the top two contenders from the NWSL, right? right? So we had a Louisville team that's brand new and sure has been struggling in you know, NWSL play, but hasn't, but has shown some impressive, uh, absolutely signs. Uh, they have some great players in their squad. So it's a really interesting way to sample this debate by using and, and Chicago sure have been one of the best teams in the league for a while, but they've struggled on their own this season, but they've Mm -hmm. had bright spots too. But like I said, it's this sort of if you're going to do this argument of where are the teams better U S or Europe, it's fun to sort of take some middle of the pack or even lower uh, the bottom of the pack teams from the U S and see how they match up against some top tier European teams. Sure. No, I, I definitely, you know, again, take this all with a grain of salt. It's I, I would say I had a wonderful time and I am not taking any of this all that seriously, but um, <laughs> it is a bit funny though, right? That the team in ninth 
They are currently in ninth in the NWSL. And I know the table's close, but they won this whole thing. Did you go into this tournament thinking, of course, Louisville is going no, to win? Absolutely not. <laughs> I wish I wish I could pretend that I did, but no, I didn't. And I mean, there's a, there's an important point that you make that these games are just sort of one-offs, right? You know, they're not really emblematic of any great thing outside of, okay, clearly, you know, these, like we all know that these players can hack it at a certain level and against each other. And I'm just glad the games were fun. That was the number one thing I wanted out of any of this. Just, they were fun. But, yeah, and I, I, I don't actually really want to overplay like the clash of styles or whatever. I think if people were talking about the clash of styles, I'm not sure we entirely got that. Um, because as I said, you know, Louisville and Chicago play each other. That's a league game. They care very much about that game because it's it's important for their league season. And I thought the priorities were were correct, which is that if for Chicago specifically, they really went for it on the Wednesday game. They had their Olympians play. They played their strongest 11 that they could. And, and they went for the result in that match. But both Louisville and Chicago rotated pretty heavily for their second games. Um, and then, you know, Byron, Byron and PSG did as well, just because it's short rest. But, um, I also thought it was interesting that we saw, it, it was very hot. Um, it, it seemed like those games were not necessarily determining who at their best is their best for both teams. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of the, I think that's sort of the thing when this isn't like a really a FIFA sanctioned tournament or anything like that is that the priorities are sort of all over the place. I mean, for for PSG and Bayern, this is essentially preseason. So, I will note, though, I will note, though, that this is the last week of their preseason. I've heard a lot about yeah. how this is their preseason, but they are about to play. They are about to play real games. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it's their pre Exactly. But um, but how great is it? You know, Louisville set they set an attendance record twice this week. First was for the Wednesday game and second was for the Saturday game. They get two fantastic goals in that final, you know, one by Jordan yes. Balcom and one by uh, Yuki Nagasato. Katie Lund is the penalty kick hero, right? She saves multiple, saves multiple shots, sinks one of her own. Louisville in their first Great year. penalty. You know, it's, a, it's a friendly trophy, but they got a trophy in their first year. Yeah, and I mean, credit to them. It's a tournament yeah. that the club overall clearly took very seriously. I thought the vibe, I mean, you said that they set the attendance records. The whole vibe of it was there. So, you know, I, like it's just it's sort of like as a as a whole package for Louisville, really impressive thing to set the attendance records, to host the tournament, to then win it and to have and to be able to compete against obviously the Red Stars. But then to, you know, you can take a lot of positives for uh, from playing Bayern basically even, even though I thought Bayern were better overall in that match and then winning the whole thing. Yeah, agreed. No, yes. So Louisville did a very nice job to, to hold on for sure, but there's definitely, there's some, some dignity in that as well. And similarly, again, with the third place game, Chicago heavily rotated and probably could have equalized against PSG. So they should be happy with that as well. So moving over to the other, the other major uh, tournament this week, the ICC, the International Champions Cup. I'm not going to call it the ICC Cup because that would be International Champions Cup Cup, and I'm not, <laughs> not going to do that. But um, so quick results: uh, Barcelona played Olympic Lyon. 
that game was three to two in favor of Lyon, Portland, and Houston tied again, two to two. Uh, we had penalty kicks. Portland did advance in the third place game. Houston loses to Barcelona, uh, three to two. That game was wild. They Houston had two goals on one shot on goal, uh, which is some NWSL magic for sure. Own goal showed up. And then in the final Portland defeats Leon one to nothing on a late winner by Morgan Weaver. So this is, I'm going to ask you questions that applies to, to both of these, both of these tournaments. Um, but I will say this, that Portland game versus Leon, I think you can look at any of the other games where you're like, you know, the NWSL teams were gritty. They were hanging in there. The European teams didn't take their chances. So it was a close match, right? I think Portland outplayed Leon. And I think that that was, that was the one game where I looked at these two teams and I said, I don't know if this European team is actually better than the American team that they're playing right now. Yeah. Gotta agree. I think it was, I mean, there were a lot of ways where it was, it was a really competitive match, even in a lot of ways, but I, I, to me, the edge was always Portland. Yeah. Um, Portland also rotated. They didn't bring their heavy hitters on until the second half. Right. I mean, again, we've talked many times about how great that team's depth is. Right. So I'm not remotely surprised that they're what I guess the rotated team, I wouldn't call it a B team necessarily, but a, a rotated team could, could bring it to Leon. And they're, it's a team with great depth, with great players. It's well coached. They're the ones making the, they're the ones making the case for being like, if they, if there was a real formal tournament where you did best of, uh, U.S. versus best of Europe. They're the ones really making the case here. Okay, this isn't a one-off. This is maybe us at our. This is really us, and we could do this if you let us do. If you ask us to do it. Should there be a FIFA-sanctioned women's club World Cup? I think so. Yeah, I think I think the intrigue is there. I think the interest is there. You can probably find a place in the calendar for it too. I think you can make it work. I do think you can make it work. You would do it. I think you would do it at the end of the NWSL season, which is like at the in October, which is so the European teams would have had a couple months of, of, of games and the NWSL teams <clears throat> would be about at the end of their season. Um, I agree. I think that the women's landscape is really uh, unique in that you do have very good teams truly across the world. Uh, that idea of Europe, versus the u.s teams but even you get tigris in there from liga and mechis femenil like there are other other teams that it would be really really cool to see them play in in games other than these which are mostly for marketing right yes um, so next question and this question is kind of a joke kind of not <laughs> uh nwsl best best league in the world <laughs> well, if you put on these two two results, obviously, right? Um, I think you can probably make reasonable arguments that NWSL is doing better in certain departments than others. You know, I I still think it might be a hard argument to make overall because we just don't. It's hard to compare these teams when you don't really have a lot to of like the. 
they don't play each other enough. You know, it's not like, right. you know, we don't have FAWSL teams taking on NWSL teams enough or, you know, whatever, you know? So I will say that the NWSL is definitely leading in some departments. This is not, I feel like in terms of facilities and resources, sometimes the NWSL is doing a better job than some of the other European leagues. If you combine the best, I think the real argument here is if you combine the best European teams, maybe the best 10 European teams and put them against the best 10, uh, well, they're only 10 right now, NWSL teams. How does that shake up? That's a more interesting question to me. Yes. No, I think, I think you're hitting on something. I think you're definitely hitting on something there, which is the, um, to me, you know, I don't think for one second that these games determine who the best league in the world is, but I will say this with all the caveats that the Europeans are in preseason, they are away. The, it was very hot, you know, certainly in Louisville, they were getting used to these adverse, uh, adverse conditions. Um, and also understanding, you know, some of the caveats for the NWSL teams, which is that they're in the middle of their season. Uh, they had to do a lot of rotation because they're dealing with injuries and absences, right? All I will say is that the NWSL did win the two tournaments that they hosted, right? Better to win them than to lose them, in my opinion, if you're trying to figure out if you're competitive with the rest of the world. You know, that's kind For of maybe sure. my impression of it, right? Is Certainly, especially with someone like Louisville, who, yeah, they hosted, they were comfortable. They had the fans behind them. They're mid season. Um, they won this tournament without playing Nadia Nadim. They rotated heavily in their second game. They are the ninth team in the league table right now. And Bayern Munich, even in preseason, probably wants to think that they're better than that team. Yes. So kudos to Racing Louisville for saying, actually, on this day, we can pull this one out. Um, right. These games aren't nothing, but right. 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 Exactly. We can't make any grand conclusions, but we can definitely say that they did win these games and also the European teams won both of the third place games. So I think honestly, what you take away from this is just that, um, it's very competitive, which is exactly where the NWSL wants to be. And you just kind of go from there. Um, and like you said, the more interesting question is, what does it mean in the hypothetical scenario that perhaps every NWSL team is able to, if, whether it's a smash and grab or, or whatever, is able to remain competitive with a top European team, whereas these European teams were invariably, you know, you had three leagues represented, right? One of them, the Champions League winner, uh, one of them, the, the winner of the German League, one of them, the winner of the French League, one of them being Lyon, historically, who has won both of those things. And it was kind of split. And the NWSL teams are all from one league. So if anything, again, parody. I think that this was a really nice showcase of the NWSL's parody. Absolutely. I think, and I think that's generally been true this season, is that there aren't a lot of easy games to win in this league. And that makes it just way more enjoyable across the board. And I, I mean, that's good for everybody. Yeah, agreed. Um, well, I had a great time. I was felt very lucky to, to see Bayern and PSG play in person. And like I said, that's really what all this was for. This was so that the European teams can kind of expand their brand in the U S um, especially for on their women's sides, which 
are in an interesting place because they are very large global brands who do not necessarily always have the women's side at the forefront. So I thought it was very cool that all of these teams came over to do this. I saw a lot of Barcelona fans in Portland. I know they like a lot of them got to meet, you know, they found the team. Um, Bayern Munich and PSG got to go see a minor league baseball game. <laughs> it was all really nice. It was just really, really nice. That's the fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the sort of the first selling point of any sort of meeting of European teams and American teams that somebody's going to have fun, hopefully. Right. Exactly. exactly. Usually the audience, but hopefully the players too. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that we got exactly what we could hope for, which is that we got a bunch of really good games. We got some intriguing results on either side. The NWSL teams didn't have anybody get hurt, which is very important. And um, the European teams get to start their actual seasons, having had a very unique experience and some stuff to work on, which is the whole point of, of challenging themselves and coming over here and doing that. So um, I enjoyed it. Still think it's kind of silly to do it in the middle of a season. We'll see if it messes with any of these teams. Um, particularly, I don't know. You look at, you look at, perhaps Chicago and Houston who did both get fourth and see what they take away from something like this. But um, yeah. Any final thoughts on these tournaments party? Um, I kind of can't wait for them to do it again. <laughs> Agreed. I would love to. And see hopefully it it'll be a different rotation of teams. I'm just curious to see everybody play everybody. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Right. It would be great if, if there was some sort of a, a break in the NWSL schedule where we could actually get all of the NWSL teams involved and, uh, and even some more, obviously, right. You know, it would be so cool to get, we, in the previous iterations of the ICC, occasionally WSL teams came and participated. Think with the new sort of powerhouses in the WSL would love to see them come over. I would also love to see NWSL teams take a tour sometime. Why not? Yes. You know? I yes. think that'd be really fun. Just do um, all the different variables until FIFA say we got, we, we, we set it up. Right. Exactly. Just kind of make the blueprint. And then finally yeah. they can make it, they can make it competitive. Um, yeah. Good for the branding. Good for the league. Good for these teams. I, I think it was fun. I had a wonderful time. Uh, I love it when I do kind of love it when the soccer is made up and the points don't really matter. It takes some of the edge off, which is really, really nice. True. So with that, we are going to take a little bit of a break and we will be back with all sorts of end of news and action in part two. All right. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. I am your host, Claire Watkins. This week, I am joined by Party Katri. Going to do the thing I do at the top of the B uh, block every single week. I'm going to ask you to rate and review this podcast. It helps people find us. It's the best thing you can do to help us keep making good women's soccer content is to give us a five-star rating and leave a nice review. So even though we had these, these fun, fun, friendly tournaments this week, the NWSL kept a rolling. And in fact, we have some, at this moment, we are recording this on Monday, some breaking news in terms of Angel City. Angel City made their big moves this week. They announced that they have hired Gotham FC's Freya Coombe as their head coach. Uh, as of this moment, uh, Freya will still be coaching Gotham out to the end of this season. Um, that is a kind of a, a, a bombshell for sure. And then real quick, some piece of news that perhaps a little bit less of a surprise, but still a very big deal. They announced that they, they did it. Angel city went and got Kristen press. They got the rights to Kristen press from racing Louisville. 
They gave up in return their natural first round draft pick in the 2022 NWSL draft, $75,000 in allocation money and full roster protection from Angel City for racing Louisville in the expansion draft. So this does not affect San Diego. Uh, You know, San Diego probably has their own deals to make right now. But um, so question number one, Pardeep, when you saw Equalizer Zone, Jeff Kasuf break the news, that Freya Coombe is going to be the inaugural coach of Angel City. What do you think? Uh, definitely shocked, but not, you know, not in a bad way. Freya Coombe, to her credit, has done a really good job with this Gotham team since she joined. It's been two years now, uh, first as an interim. I mean, we talk a lot about Gotham, obviously, previously Sky Blue with their rebrand off the field. And even before the name change, it's sort of, you know, moving into Red Bull arena, getting rid of all of that, all of those professional, I mean, uh, problems of an unprofessional environment. So even before the name change, but they also rebranded in a way on the field, right? Um, Under Freya Coombe, they were playing this, they're an attack oriented team that, is not they're competitive and granted they're inconsistent, but they're competitive. They're right now sitting in a playoff spot. Um, they were probably look set to qualify for the playoffs for the first time since the first NWSL season, if I have that right. So it's a it's a cool hire. Um, she's definitely earned it, and it's she took on one ambitious project in turning a sky blue team that was not competitive into the, in this league into one that could compete. And now she's got a different uh, ambitious project on her hands with an angel city team that really, really wants to, they really want to make a mark. You can tell. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It does seem like uh, we, you know, we had seen initial reports a couple, well, at this point months ago, that they had considered hiring somebody else and they got very strong feedback from the fan base that they wanted it to be a woman. And so I I was not surprised that they went out and found perhaps one of the most qualified women available, which just happens to be the head coach of a different NWSL team. Um, I think it's a good hire. You know, I think Freya Coombe seems like a a very nice person, very professional, good to work with. Um, I think that the players at Gotham really like her it'll be interesting to see if her style translates to a different team. It was always interesting to see if her style translated to Gotham, to be completely honest. So she has her own roster building to do, and it is still an expansion side. So I think you can expect some bumps along the way, but um, I think it, it makes sense, right? They've got an angel city. Also, we talk about how they have buying power. I'm sure they offered her more money than she was making at yeah, Gotham. Probably. And- yeah, and you know that's how that's how this stuff works sometimes. Although, so, if on the other side, this I know this I have an interest in seeing what Angel City would be by definition as a soccer team. Mm-hmm. But this, to me, I'm more interested in how Gotham eventually respond to this because now they right. have to the managerial merry-go-round continues in women's soccer. It's really to me very fascinating. But now they have to make a managerial hire, but they have different people running it than the people who were running it last time. Obviously, Elise LeHue is not with the club anymore. 
They've got an interim GM and an interim assistant GM. And I don't know how permanent those positions are, or I don't know how long-term they are. Right. So to me, I'm very fascinated by how they decide to go about this search. Because, I mean, I guess it's more interesting to me now because the Angel City one is done. But yeah, I'm very fascinated by that. Yeah, how Gotham bounces back is going to be really interesting. And you're right that the the narrative that is sort of forming around the team is is fascinating, even just in the right now, right? Because their their results are some of the best that the clubs have ever had. They're they're doing very very well on the pitch, and and we'll talk about they had kind of a tough loss this weekend, but um, they have multiple players who are really shining in that environment. But they also right they had a GM be removed uh, for violating, you know, the anti-harassment policy as placed by the league. They have interim, they have an interim GM, interim assistant GM. They now have a coach that will probably be done the moment games end. They, they have an expansion draft to sort of maneuver through, right? They have that on the horizon. You're right. That we'll see what happens in the right now. And we'll also see what happens uh, at the end of October. Um, But So that one's a freebie for Angel City. You know, Angel City, they have the buying power that they have. They can pay Freakum very well, I'm sure. That is just going and getting a manager that, out of contract, whatever, can go ahead and choose to take a different job. The Kristen Press deal is obviously a little bit different, right? They had to give some things up to go get Kristen Press, which this one, less surprising, right? Kind of an obvious move. I think everyone saw this one coming, but... Angel City gave up. So the $75,000, I'll, I'll give my take first, then I'll ask you what you think, Party. Um, my take is that the $75,000 and the expansion draft immunity, that's just the cost of doing business, right? The player was worth $75,000 when she was taken in the initial expansion draft by Racing Louisville. Uh, obviously doing the immunity deal makes a lot of sense for Louisville. I think it also makes sense for Angel City. Louisville is a very kind of young, unproven team. They probably would have been fine, actually, going through just the normal expansion draft. I'm not entirely sure who Angel City specifically would try to take from them, right? Cost of doing business. The draft pick is interesting to me. And the interesting thing about draft picks is that they aren't over or under pays until they manifest into becoming a player. And so I think it's hard for me to say at this moment that Angel City overpaid, but they might have, right? And I don't even yeah. say that I don't even say that in the context that I think press isn't worth it. It's more I'm thinking about negotiations between the two teams. You know what I mean? You know, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. <laughs> because yeah. I mean, look, Angel City was probably going to have a really valuable first round pick, either first or second. But if they took a look at the draft class and they decided we can sort of sacrifice not having the first or second best player in this um, in this class, then... I think that's fine because for Chris and press, right? Yeah. Yes. For yeah. Chris and press. Right. If you look at the draft class and say, well, there's this one player that I technically don't really need. 
uh, you can probably take a peek and decide who might be the top five or six players of that group. If you look at the group and say, I don't really need that one person, but I need Kristen Press. Right. I'm fine with making that choice. Yeah, I get that. I think, I mean, I think that Angel City trading out of the, the first round entirely is a gamble because theoretically this could be a very strong class. But I will also caveat with um, the draft is a gamble itself because you have players who could go to Europe, right? You have players who every single player who was in college during the pandemic has an extra year of eligibility. They could stay. Um, so we know, we know, for example, that UCLA's me official. She made an announcement that she, this will be her last year at UCLA she wasn't super committal about what happens next though. She could be going to Europe. She could be entering the draft. We don't really know. There are some other really, really good players who should be aging out of the college system, like uh, Jalen Howell and Naomi Girma, but we don't know what's going on with them either. You know, Girma's coming off an ACL tear. We'll see exactly how her um, fall season goes. They both have decisions to make whether they want to stay or they want to go. Um, so I get it. I really do. Because, you know, we talked, we talked a lot about just kind of these new teams doing really well for themselves. Kristen Press joining Angel City as their first marquee signing was such a good idea that we all kind of assumed it was going to happen, right? Yeah. I mean, just on every level, you can't. Let me phrase it this way. Angel City, to me, is a team that's really, really concerned about optics. I don't necessarily mean that as a negative thing. Sure. So Kristen Press fits the mold really, really wonderfully for them because she's obviously a really gifted player. Mm-hmm. She, I mean, I read the um, the LA Times report on it. And Eniola Luco, the the uh, sporting director at Angel City, pointed out that she's obviously really versatile. Um, she's just, she's in an incredible run of form right now, so she meets all of the on field stuff. But like I said, they're really concerned with the optics there. And what a wonderful player to market your team on, yeah, to build at least an image of the team on, if not necessarily the on the field side of it though maybe i could see them building the team around her too why not so there's a i mean there's a reason why everybody made it sound it seemed like such a perfect idea and on top of that now it's a big homecoming for kristen press too because she's obviously from the area so even though she's you know she's 33 i think it's a really great way to sort of announce yourself and that was clearly something this team wanted to do well, yeah, and that also extends careers, right? Players getting to go to the teams where they want to play and especially players getting to go closer to home. I mean, I think that's wonderful. And you're right that the way she's been playing, her age is is less relevant because right. she she could, she could, you know, Kristen Press could start declining starting right now and she would still have two, three, four years before it ever got to the point where she shouldn't be starting for an NWSL team. Um, and she's not going to do that. So, uh I will say this, that the NWSL is a better league when you have players like Kristen Press playing in it. And sometimes it has felt this year with, you know, with, with Press, with Tobin Heath, with 
Rose Lavelle, Sam Mewis, Abby Dahlkemper, all over in, in England, that the NWSL, and like you said, it's, it's as much just star power. And I think that the NWSL needs to have these moves because they need stars in addition to good, solid players. We've talked a whole lot today already about, you know, one through 22 really solid, hardworking players in these NWSL teams, but you need stars and no team needs stars more than LA. We will see what kind of a supporting cast they can build around her. That is sometimes the difficulty with these things. Um, But I think it was a great move. I think it's, you know, predestined in a way, right? Absolutely. Um, One little piece of intrigue though, right? Is that, and I'll say this as well, you know, everyone can go back to to the draft and, and see if I'm contradicting myself, which is totally possible that I am, but Louisville taking Kristen Press's rights from Utah always made sense to me, right? Utah did not have any other players that Louisville might have been, have been as interested in. Press was always going to be a rights deal that would move. That was always going to work. The thing that always made less sense to me was also getting Tobin Heath's rights when Portland had quite a few players unprotected on that list that could have helped Louisville right away. Now, I'm sure Louisville feels like they're doing fine. They got some shiny new hardware. They're doing great. Tobin Heath was not a part of this deal, though. Angel City dealt for Kristen Press and Kristen Press alone. A lot of people were looking at the value of taking those rights in the expansion draft after seeing what Louisville got from Angel City for Kristen Press. I'll ask you, Pardeep. Do you think they can do just as well with a team, for example, like San Diego for someone like Tobin Heath? Or do you think that that is an overplayed hand a little bit? I think they would have to be lucky to get as good a deal. And it has nothing to do with the valuation of Tobin Heath in this case. No, when, when, when teams are negotiating these sorts of things, it freak, it's always like, what's it to you? What is yes. this value to you? How bad right. do you want this player? It's not so much truly about the actual value of the player themselves. Yeah. And yeah, so I think that, they won't be as lucky the second time around. Um, though I I don't know how uh, interested Tobin Heath is playing there. Um, so yeah, that's fair. Because if like let's say at a certain point Tobin Heath is like I I don't want to play here. No offense, but I don't want to play here. That brings down the value of a trade immediately. Because right. now they just have to get her off the books because she doesn't want to be there. Um, so there's that. But I I just think they're probably... F- you got The one team that I think was really desperate to make a statement in a certain way already got their player. Yes, right. I'm, I think San Diego would like to make their own statements too, but I don't think they're interested in making statements the exact same way as... Right. Angel City is. I don't I mean, I think they will want some star power too, because naturally I have to imagine every team in this league does. But like I said, I think the one team that was like at the top of the game looking for the statement player got the statement player. So whether it's San Diego or someone else, I think basically every other team in this is probably just not as 
desperate isn't the right word, but maybe not as committed to the idea as Angel City was. Right. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think that, you know, if you look at it and well, this will be something, well, we'll get to the end of cell games in just a second, but you look at this in the context of, okay, Tobin Heath probably wants to play on the West coast. Lots of context clues there. You know, she liked, really liked playing in Portland, probably wants to be close to that area. So you've got four teams, possible choices, right? You've got OL rain, Portland, LA, and San Diego. I think you can probably take Portland out of that, right? Portland, I think if they were interested in dealing back for her, they would have done that. Um, I think probably now at this point, you can pull Angel City out of it. Just in terms of assets, I don't think they have as many to move at this point. And they've already done their deal with Racing Louisville. That's, that deal's done, right? So you have two options. You've got San Diego and you've got OL Rain. I think probably the likeliest place for her to land would be San Diego, but San Diego would have a place of power here of being like, well, she doesn't really want to play for you. She does want to play for us theoretically, right? She's already played for Casey Stoney, that sort of a thing. Um, But we're only willing to give you this for it because we don't need it that badly. I think racing Louisville maybe takes whatever deal is presented to them. Right. Yeah. I mean, they'll just probably hope that whatever they can get for flipping Tobin Heath will be just at least a little bit better or maybe breaking even sort of on what they did to get her. Exactly. But yeah, I don't think I do not think they have the advantage in this negotiation. Right. Um, Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I think you're right. We might see a cost of that similar, like cost of doing business sort of a deal, maybe $75,000 or something like that. Um, Maybe less. Who knows? I don't know. Um, interested to see what happens, but we have teams that already exist that played some games this weekend and we should talk about them (laughs) too. There were three additional NWSL games this weekend. So it's a little bit confusing, but to be clear about it, Louisville and Chicago played a league game on Wednesday. Uh, Houston and Portland did not play any league games this week. And then the other six teams did. So we had two teams on technically a league by that was Houston and, and, and Portland. Everybody else played at least one sanctioned NWSL game this week. So to get into the weekend's games, we have actually another trade to talk about. And we'll do it in the context of this match, which was wacky. North Carolina <laughs> hosted Kansas City. North Carolina wins this game four to nothing, despite being outshot, outpassed, out tackled, out possessed. And this Kansas is a city. This is a full strength North Carolina too. Basically, yes, they got Lynn Williams back. That's right, Lynn Williams and Sam Mewis. Uh, one piece of news. Well, we'll do the two pieces of news right now. One piece of North Carolina news is that Abby Dahlkemper was confirmed as leaving Manchester City. She has broken her contract. She will no longer be with Manchester City. Which, whew, that's that's not a, a, a fabulous look for uh, U.S. U.S. women's national team players going over to Europe. Perhaps some European teams look at that and go, huh, so you can just leave. Um, <laughs> but she has not made a deal with North Carolina yet. So at this moment, she is clubless. North Carolina does have her rights and I believe are still talking to her. We'll see what happens. Um, but they did get Lynn Williams back and they got uh, Sam. Well, they did not really get Sam Mewis back. Sam Mewis is currently injured. She'll be out for a couple weeks, I believe is what they said. Um North Carolina four to nothing, despite losing every statistical battle 
in the match. How did this happen, Pardeep? <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. Um, North Carolina at almost full strength or, you know, more, yeah, almost full strength, let's say. They're just a really hard team to beat. Yeah. Um, their shot production is very good. Just really good which is kind of a really basic thing to say, but also is just the truth about North Carolina courage. Their shot efficiency in this match was, was quite good. I believe they only had, Oh gosh, I'm about to get this wrong. Um, their, their shot efficiency was quite good in that. I believe it was around 50% of their shots on goal turned into goals. Sorry. Let me look at the stats really quick. Um, yeah, they had seven shots on goal and four of them went in. So that's very good efficiency on their SOGs. Yeah. Um, they it's also a little lost bit of the XG too, battle, but you know, yeah. um, and, and watching the game, watching the game itself, I think you could see a player like, for example, Haley Mace for Kansas city got into some very dangerous places, but the looks on goal themselves were just not as strong. And I think that that's ultimately what this comes down to. Like there was a moment where Haley Mace had a breakaway. It was just her against the keeper and she shanked it like into the stands and you're yeah. just like, that's, that's it. That's kind of the story of Kansas city right now. Um, Kansas city did also have a piece of trade news. They made uh, a big trade with the Portland thorns. Actually, this one was also a little bit of a shock. I think they traded for 80 French who has been a mainstay at Portland for a very long time, much beloved. And she clearly loved the club right back. They gave Portland $150,000 in allocation money and Abby Smith to get 80 French. So they traded a goalkeeper for a goalkeeper and a whole lot of cash. Now, I'm sorry if we're not really getting into game action, but it seems like the wheels are turning for this offseason. It really started ramping up, right? The wheels turning for this next offseason. This had to have been an expansion draft deal, right? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, because this expansion draft is just... It's going to be easily the most... I mean obviously the most competitive expansion draft for this league because there are going to be two teams in it. Lots of players going might as well be smart enough to make those deals early. If you can, because then sometimes you can get a better deal if you do it before. Right. Or a lot of times, maybe most of the time you get a better deal because you're almost getting what the league does compensate pl- uh, teams for losing players in the expansion draft, right? Am I making that up? You, you do, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you get right money. You get paid right money for that. Yeah. So that's cool, but doing a deal outside of the expansion draft sometimes is just better. You know, they're getting another great goalkeeper, the Thorns, in Abby Smith because they decided they wanted the best goalkeeper depth in the league too. Um. I mean, Casey is probably getting uh, they're they they're going to be out of the uh, expansion draft, right? Yes, they're yeah. they they were that was a deal that was made when they joined the league. Yes, they do not right. participate in the expansion draft. So you know, obviously the deal is just great for them because they got a great goalkeeper out of it. But this this one is definitely Portland deciding now is a better time to get a deal done. So let's just get that done. Right. I mean, right. The difference is. You, you lose a player for something rather than losing them, losing them for nothing. Um, yeah, I think we're going to see some deals like this. I think that teams are 
figuring out how to maneuver around this expansion draft, double expansion draft. Right. And I think what some teams are finding is that it's better to work with a team that is not one of the teams in the expansion draft, because the team that is in the, the team that is participating in the expansion draft, the expansion team has a lot of power when you're doing an immunity deal. Whereas if you do that deal with a team like Kansas city and now maybe even possibly Louisville because they've built up a they've got some immunity for them as well. That might be more mutually beneficial because you're dealing with a party that is not invested in that expansion draft itself. Um, but yeah, so anyway, this game was really unfortunate for Kansas city. Truly. They've been improving. They're getting better. And I, I don't really know what else to say. They lost by a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, this is one of those games that I think beforehand, you're like, okay, they're probably not going to get the points here. So it is what it is. Just do your best. And so in that way, it kind of isn't sort of, it's not like it, it's not this huge loss, especially since the performance was pretty good. So there are actually a lot of things to take away from it. But it probably also feels a little crappy to just have, outplayed the courage and not even gotten a single goal. Right. And just be totally like the scoreline reads like a total thrashing. Right. No. And uh, you know, I do believe that playing well in a loss is one of the stepping stones to winning consistently, but you don't want that loss to be by four goals, I guess is my only take on that. Yeah. Good for North Carolina. I thought it was very funny uh, on Paramount plus they said they said that North Carolina is establishing themselves as the second best team in the league. And I said, oh, don't tell them that uh, <laughs> second best team in the league. Um, yeah, they are the underdogs, obviously. Right, right, right. They're rising to the top. They've you're right. Full strength. North Carolina is a scary prospect. And especially when they get Mewis back uh, for the latter latter bits of the season, that will be um, very, very uh, dangerous for them. So. Moving on to two more games. These are all sort of middle of the pack games. These are between teams that are all kind of still clawing for playoff position. And we saw a lot of movement, actually. We saw a new team in third and a new team in fourth. Uh, we have that one and two. Portland's, Portland's got one covered and, and North Carolina's got two covered. But O.L. Rain defeated Gotham three to two despite the fact that Gotham was up two to nothing in like the, what the first 20 minutes of this game. Yeah. Two goals by Ifeoma Animanu, right? Mm -hmm. Could have been three. Oh, Megan Rapino. This, I, I adored this Rapino performance. And I thought to myself, I will miss this when this is gone. Because when Megan Rapino decides that she is going to take over a game, it doesn't always manifest in the same way as other players. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she, she is a very special player, but I think from the get go, even though Gotham went up early, I don't think the rain were ever out of it. No, I agree. Um, and then Gotham it looked more likely to score the first goal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was definitely a surprise, but to be, to be fair, if Yanomano had another terrific game, mm-hmm. she could have had another goal, I think, early in the second half, maybe. Yep. It was it was a very fun game. The energy was kind of I won't say weird, but it also was kind of weird almost. Um, 
But yeah, I don't think the rain were out of it. Megan Rapinoe took it over and then Gotham silly mistakes to concede two penalties at the end. Two yeah. penalties. I can't remember the last time someone conceded two penalties in an NWSL game. You have to do a lot to, yeah. to have two penalties called on you in a league that does not like to call them. That's right. Two penalty kicks by Megan Rapinoe. Um, the first goal by the rain was scored by Krista McNabb. Um, one other piece of news for Gotham. Just a lot of news this week. Um, Carly Lloyd announced that she will be retiring at the end of this NWSL season. She has, I believe, four more friendlies for the United States. Those were also announced. They're going to be doing a tour of the Midwest. They've got a game in Cleveland, Cincinnati, Kansas city, and I believe Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota. that's right. That's right. right. Um, St. Paul. And so she is getting her swan song here. She did start for Gotham. This will probably be the first time that Carly Lloyd. I mean, I, I believe that Gotham will be in the playoffs. I think they are in a good position to do that. And she does not have any NWSL playoff experience. That is not something that Carly Lloyd has ever done. Um, Which is unusual for her. Usually she's, she, I mean, she's, she's very accomplished. Player, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyways, that, you know, I just think that that isn't, we'll have more probably to say about Carly Lloyd as that stuff winds down in, in October. But um, yeah, she announced her retirement. It adds a little bit, especially again with, with now Freya Coombe moving on as well adds a little bit of extra urgency, I guess, to what Gotham is doing, which is why it's unfortunate that they lost this game. I felt like this one probably deserved to be a 2-2 draw. But yeah. OR Rain jumps to third. They are yeah. now in third place. You have to love how tight this table is. Yeah. It's just uh-huh. going everywhere. Truly. So they have to feel good about that. Um, they have to feel good about the infusion again of Rapino and Rose Lavelle. Rose Lavelle also played quite well. Um, especially because Eugenie Le Somer has been out with a concussion. Um, and Mar- Maro, I think, has also been dealing with a lingering injury as well. So they had to well, feel good about that roster process. This was the grand return for Laura Harvey. She gets her first win back in the league. Good vibes, I guess. Good vibes in Tacoma right now, right? Oh, for sure. And right and at a very, very nice point in the season. Exactly. Um, yeah, it was told to me early this year that this was all going to come down to the final stretch. And I think we're finding that to be true. So the final game of the weekend was on Sunday. We had one Sunday game. Washington hosted the Orlando pride at Audi field. They played on grass this time. And I do think that's significant to note because Washington plays so much better when they play at Audi field than when they do at Segro. They won this game two to one on goals by Ashley Hatch and Ashley Sanchez. The pride opened the scoring with, a goal by Marta. The goals in this game were awesome. Yes. Really nice goals in this game. Marta's this goal game was technically on TV. It was, it was, it was on CBS sports. I watched it on my television. Um, I thought this was a great showcase for the league. Actually thought Audi field looked great. Thought both teams played well. It was very competitive. It was scoreless at halftime. We got three goals in the second half two of which specifically were bangers, that Marta goal and that Ashley Sanchez goal at the very end. You got, right, late game winner, super wonder strike from the number 10 in Washington. I think that that was a great game and one that the Spirit desperately needed a win on, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a rough couple of weeks for them. Um. But yeah, I thought they played really well. I thought they did a really good job starting this game. Orlando did not 
I mean, they were Orlando were not really going forward very much at the start. It was all Washington for a while. So the fact that even though Orlando got back in the game towards the end of the first half, the fact that they were able to sort of maintain their control on the game enough to get those two goals, obviously the banger included. I think it's a really great statement win for them, especially on the stage such as Audi Field on CBS Sports Network. Agreed. And I think that that is one of the narratives of the larger season, right? Where you have a couple of teams. I'll, you know, four, I'll, four off the top of my head, right? You have a team like Chicago, who's really, really struggling to score. You think, oh, I don't know. Is this going to work for them, right? And then they kind of go on a streak. They win three games in a row. They move up in the table. OL Reign has this early part of the season. They fire their head coach. They're not getting wins. You think to yourself, oh, I don't know if this is going to work for them. They've won, I think, four games of the last five. They jump, right, very high into the table. Washington is dealing with a lot behind the scenes right now. They are still dealing with issues behind the scenes that seem to be stemming from ownership. But they get this win and they jump to fourth. I think the cool thing about this particular season, and one of the things that has made it difficult to cover, is things really change week by week. Yeah. I don't think you can point at a team and call them good or bad at this point. Right. It's- Outside of like maybe the top two teams and, right. the top bo- and then the bottom two teams, everything else is just in flux all the time. There are no really distinct narratives coming out of any of the rest of the teams outside of sometimes, sometimes they're good. And sometimes even if they're not so, and sometimes, you know, maybe they're not so bad, but they still lose games. Right. Yeah. It's been really, really interesting. Um, I love the unpredictable nature of this. Truly. I think it's, there were probably a, there was probably a stretch of several years where the teams in this league, it was clearly like a bot, a a top tier and a bottom tier and some games, and then a lot of games were just inherently predictable as a result. But this season, and I felt this way last year too, but obviously there were not a lot of games last year. But this year with a huge sample size, we're seeing that the games are not predictable. And that's a lot of fun. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, I feel, I would say that in general, this whole podcast, everything that we talked about in this podcast are indicators that this is shaping up to be a pretty good year, I think, for the NWSL, especially as compared to what John Halloran and I were talking about last week, where the NWSL has a lot of issues right now that they need to deal with. And it's, it is, again, kind of hard to cover, hard to talk about, but both things are true. That The NWSL has many, many things both on and off the field that they need to improve on, but they also have the ability to have successful weeks like this one. Right. It's the NWSL is a uniquely positioned league in that in terms of on the field product or the most visible product they have, they have, you know, by coincidence at the very least fallen into a gold mine, right? You can start a sports league or you can be a young sports league anywhere, but the NWSL is uniquely positioned to not just be a young sports league, but a young sports league with top, top talent. Yeah. So at the very least, you can do a sort of fake it till you make it, which I don't necessarily think the NWSL is doing across the board. 
but that's like the, that's like the minimum level of what this league can accomplish. And it's clear that to some level, the people running this league know that they know that they have really great players, really great product that they can feature several times in a weekend, but it's, I mean, part of the stuff that they need to work on is very clear that they're a young league that has gone through many different leaders already. Mm-hmm. But really, they do, they, at this point, because they know that the on field product is so good, that it's marketable, that it gets people's, it gets attention, it gets eyeballs. They need to, they really do need to step up on the off the field side of it too, because that's not matching the professionalism and the excellence that they know exists on the field. Yeah. Right. And I'm not saying that they're not working on it, but it, it, it is a huge task because there are so many different layers of it. Right. And it probably requires maybe a bigger staff at the league level to handle all of that. But it, these are just things that need to match the on-field product at a certain point. And it's a really, it's a really, it's a, it's an interesting space to exist in. It's maybe a weird space to exist in, but I think if you pay enough attention to the way sports leagues are run and maybe even outside of sports, how big opera, big companies or big organizations are run, it's not always so surprising to find that there are cracks behind the scenes, but it doesn't mean that those cracks need to be, uh, don't need to be dealt with. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that this week was a good example of what this league can be. And I think it was nice to get that reminder. Um, one final question for you, party. So Portland, they got another trophy this week. They're two for two. They win the challenge cup. They win the ICC. They've got two more things they can win this year. They can win the shield. They can win the NWSL championship. They've said they want to win them all. They're winning them all. Do you think they're going to win them all? Hmm. yes i think if there's anything that they might not win it would be the final trophy at the end just because it's yeah, very that's, hard yeah to win playoff games in the nwsl but i agree but that's, yeah i that's think at the, the very one. least they're getting the three out of four this year no question to me shield is theirs to lose and i don't yep. think they're gonna lose it at this point i think it won't be easy for them to get all the way to the end of the playoffs but if any team is built to do it, it's going to be them. And it's, I think, I think it would be, I'm not, I I don't think I would bet against them. I just won't do that right now. Yeah. It's a cool thing. It's a cool thing they're doing. They're doing this season. All right. Very good. So thank you so much, Pardeep for joining me. We will have more NWSL action. There are a couple of midweek games this week. There are more NWSL games this next weekend. Thank goodness we caught, a lot of news before we recorded, but I'm sure there'll be more for us to round up next time. Shout out to our producer extraordinaire, Jacqueline Purdy. Thank you so much to blue wire podcasts. I have been your host, Claire Watkins, and this has been the equalizer podcast.